I begin with a question. Where is home? Where, where do you belong? How would you answer? Where is home? Where do you belong? Here sounds good. I mean, you know, yay. Home for me can be a lot of different places in all of my travels. It's been in New England where I started. It's been in Alabama for a time. It was in South Carolina for a time. Texas for a long time. And, and now here. Novelist journalist and film critic Vamba Sheriff was born in Liberia and later lived in Kuwait and Syria before settling in the Netherlands. In his brief and poignant TEDx presentation from 2016, uh, Sheriff reflects on his experiences of living in many places around the world after having grown up in a very large extended family in Africa. His extended family was about like a hundred people. That was the family. And even with that abundance of family, he keeps asking that question, where is home? Where do I belong? These are the questions that he's been asking his entire life. And of course, they're not only his questions. They are human questions. We, as human beings, we seek spaces. We create collective experience. We hope that we will be held and we discover new places and new ways that home might show up for us, new ways in which we belong. We also screw it up. We break our relationships. We make mistakes. We are thoughtless. We are careless. We hurt the people we love. We break what we love and create. And hopefully, sometimes, we can start again and again, and again. And I'll offer that these are my questions as well. Where is home? Where do I belong? And I certainly have that personally, but I also have it in the context of the church. I so appreciate how much members of this congregation, members and friends, children and youth, embraced the prospect of home this summer in particular. Um, if you haven't seen them already, we have some excellent t-shirts hanging around. Let me see if I can do this right. Nope, not that one. That's later. There we go. Welcome home. I mean, that's kind of plain, right? That's putting it right out there. Yo, we're here. Come on in. And to do so, in a way, this was particularly created for Peoria Pride Fest this summer. Um, so 
the congregation didn't just host a table, which is pretty good. But folks went several increments further, you know, a little extra, and created not just a logo, but also the banner and T-shirts. If you're seeing folks wear the T-shirts, I already saw one or two today. Welcome home in the colors of the progressive pride flag that include brown and black, but also pink and light blue and white to represent the diversity of uh, race and ethnicity and culture, and also to include our trans siblings as well, along with that rainbow that is the core of pride symbolism, and along with the core of this congregation's purpose and reason of being, that we are open minds, loving hearts, helping hands, and by golly, this is our church. We're claiming the ground. But I want to know, I want to spend a little more time on that notion of home. What do we mean by home when we offer this invitation and declare that the doors are open and we are here and we are here together? Now, I've been thinking about this sermon practically like all summer since that Welcome Home logo came into being. And the heart song that's been the soundtrack for this, you know, it certainly includes uh, Simon Garfunkel, Homeward Bound, uh, but it's really been including music from the musical The Wiz. The Wiz. Not The Wizard of Oz, but The Wiz, the musical that was written for an urban setting for an African-American family, African-American neighborhood. The story of The Wiz, if you don't know it, is much like that of The Wizard of Oz, certainly, with the main characters of Dorothy and the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion. In The Wiz, Dorothy is an adult. She's a teacher. She, she is surrounded by the abundance of her family at a holiday meal at Christmas, and yet is feeling out of place, disconnected, not sure of her path. And so she dashes out into the snowstorm to go retrieve her wayward dog, Toto. Yes, Toto is there too. To... Um, to save Toto. And in a snow flurry, she is swept up and twist off to Oz. And she goes through the experience of this urban challenge, this urban environment in her adventures to get from where she lands, and yes, kills, kills a witch in that landing, just like in Wizard of Oz, unintentionally, but there, to go through this urban landscape of subways and cities and junkyards and so on to get to the wizard to try to get home. But there she is in the course of this journey, growing and discovering herself along the way, coming into a new understanding of and love for the people and the place that she calls home. At the end of The Wiz, this is the song, at the end of The Wiz, Dorothy sings of home. 
When I think of home, I think of a place where there's love overflowing. I wish I was home. I wish I was back there with the things I've been knowing. And she goes on singing, singing about this place that she wants to be. So at the end of all of her adventures and challenges and struggles, because she recognizes how being in that different time and place, a place beyond place, has shaped her. She wants to bring that transformation into her life. She wants to share it with the people that she loves. She has figured out her path. And she wants to go back. And she, in the source of the song, she's pleading, hoping for the more time to be able to savor what has been found herself in the newness of it and also the love that she's always been enjoying with her family. I think I love the story of Dorothy singing about home. She even like in the course of the song, she's even like, I'm not sure if that place was real, but I took something from it. So it's real in me. What she's hoping for, I think, are some of the ways I'm really enjoying it. So I was thinking about what do, how do I understand this sense of home? And I think I kept coming back to the song, and I think this is where this was going. Because I think at its best, the people and the places that we call home are places of exchange, places of development, places that are safe enough, not like 100% safe, like wrapped in wool, don't you do any damage to me, but safe enough to try new things, to be something other than what we have been, to take a risk, to be vulnerable, to share something. In a home, we keep growing and we keep loving others as they do the same. What also came up this week was an image from the congregation where I grew up, and I think I'll use that as the other image for the moment here. Let me find it. There we go. All right, so this is like the Wayback Machine here. So this is some Sunday morning, probably about May or so, 1990, when those of us who are up front of the congregation are graduating from high school. You know. We are being sent out with a blessing into the world. We are being recognized for having been part of the congregation, now entering into adulthood, and then going forth. It's not a snowstorm that whisks us away or a tornado, but it is our choice. We are on the brink of entering into a new place. And we have had the foundation of a place such as this, of a congregation. Check out the world religion symbols on the back there. Look a little familiar, do they? Of the Eightfold Path in Buddhism, of Om, of, uh, from Islam, of Christianity, of Judaism, 
of humanism in that form. At the very top that you don't see is the, the double circle chalice for Unitarian Universalism. And so there we are. Is a congregation that I grew up with. It's a congregation that is, I will say, truly not perfect because it's a community of humans. So, mm -mm, not perfect. But, yes, I'm the one in the blue flower dress. The hair was darker at the time. You know, time changes, right? But it's a community that is always under construction always under construction. There we go. And I have the fortune, the fortunate opportunity to go back to that community again and again and again as time has gone on. I get to go back there on the Sunday after Christmas this year and lead worship as I have been doing for quite some time. And we will compare notes and check each other out and say, oh, it's so good to see you again. And how have you grown this year? As adults, we get to say that to each other in unspoken ways, a little spoken to. We're sorting out in all of these understandings of home and belonging. We're not just sorting it out as, as a particular congregation or even as Unitarian Universalism, but we're sorting it out. We have this existential challenge of what is the nature of religious institutions at all? Because part of being ready to welcome and receive each other and those who find us and how to be out in the world is to recognize where we're having our questions and challenges too. There's a new study that came out from the Pew Research Center about religious trends that uh, Christianity will continue to shrink in the next decades and become a minority, one amongst many faiths in this country. And that there's going to be a mix of rising of other religious traditions because of immigration, but also because people are, are saying, you know, not feeling particularly connected to religious, religious institutions at all. But I will offer that our religious institutions are these peculiar, occupy these special spaces in our society. And a congregation such as this and a faith such as this has room to be present in that role. Because this is a place of all ages. This is a place in our congregational systems where folks are held in equal regard. There's not a hierarchy based on age or gender or so on, or economics or culture. We practice the lateral horizontalness of our lives. We carry traditions that cherish music and art and discovery and learning and, and holy scripture from various sources, but we don't make an idol of such. In our religious institutions, we have this unique space that can be a place of hope, a place of love, a place of gathering and belonging when there, is, when there are so many places of separation, 
so many ways in which we are not encouraged to connect. And, and as people in the United States, we are longing for community. We need something. Madonna, sociologist Madonna Kolbenschlag, in her book, Lost in the Land of Oz, The Search for Identity and Community in America, writes that Americans are struggling, looking for a place in which to have a sense of rootedness and connection with something larger than ourselves. And often this had been provided by geographic or ethnic communities to which we had established close ties and loyalties, you know, practice, tradition, uh, history together. But now our history is more and more, our lives are more and more divorced from such roots and we are more and more mobile. We are more and more isolated from where we have been or figuring out how to connect. But the desire and the need is still there. So Kolbenschlag poses that not only are we cut off from our external supports by circumstance, but we're also cutting them off because we think we must. We have that particularly annoying, persistent myth of the self-made man, or person, but, you know, man. And it's that ridiculous charge that still permeates that pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You are only the, the only person pulling those bootstraps. Mentality that says, if you can't do it alone, you are a failure. The world and all the people on it become merely a, a stage and a backdrop in which the dramas of our individual stories unfold. And that focus on the individual, that only I count, has become especially toxic in recent years with leaders who model the, a way of being that places their priorities at the center and does a hell with anyone else. And advertising personal accomplishment in a way that doesn't recognize how each of us benefits from resources and relationships. And it extends so far as to dehumanize others who would escape harm, who are in fact advocating for themselves, such as those who want asylum in this country. So we have the existential problem, but I also recognize that we don't have this lack of rootedness by choice for many of us. For many of us had to leave what we thought was our space. We were forced out. Some of us even later understanding that whatever we had left was never truly for us in the first place. It could be religion or culture or politics or sexual orientation or gender or a mix of all of it. You know, there's reasons why so many interfaith couples seek out Unitarian Universalist ministers when one or both faith traditions doesn't sanction the wedding. That's still true. But in particular in this moment, you know, I'm so... I try to really not underestimate the power of the story coming from folks who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and plus, how people have lost so much because of who they realize they are. That's especially poignant, I think. 
because you'll see in any pride event, folks with posters or t-shirts saying, you know, if you want a mom a hug, I will give one. Because they realize that some people don't have a mother anymore or don't have a father or don't have a parent or don't have a family because they came out and that family said no. In preparing for Pride Fest, that welcome home was this powerful message. Because we have countless youth and adults abandoned because they realized who they were. It could be lesbian, gay, bisexual, gender queer, non-binary, and more. This welcome home that we're offering is so attractional. Attractional. Come. Come and be with us because we know that you may not have another place. This welcome home is also profoundly missional. It is its own spiritual challenge by making a commitment to health. Our own, those of us who are already in the congregation, our own commitment to health, to creating a place where we are safe enough to be vulnerable, where the people who come in are also finding that welcome. And to do so, to do so in a moment when so much of our messaging in the world still is do it yourself. Don't trust anybody. You got to make it or you're not worth anything. We need to be safe enough in such places in all seasons, including our spiritual storms. So, so I want to offer, this is not the creation of a perfect community, of a community that doesn't have its own work to continue doing. You know, I think if we, you know, if we had gotten to a point where a congregation such as this was doing it all right all the time, gosh, we'd be awfully dull. I mean, you know, we got to screw up so we can have a little fun too, right? I'm just saying. Because I think it also recognizes that each of us is also entirely fully human, so fabulous and flawed, right? And doubtful and wondering and not sure of who we are and where we are at times. Because there are times when being in this interdependent web of existence, of meeting up to the hope that we are trying to affirm inherent worth and dignity of every person, and justice and equity, in compassion, human relations, all that showing up is just a hot mess. And we are inside. Where it just, we might talk about inherent worth, but you're like, man, some folks really could use a little bit of that hell we don't believe in. Oh, would there be a place where they could go like in time out for a few centuries so they could like learn love and compassion? Because I know the love and compassion you need to learn too. But we don't do that. But the spiritual struggle of it is real. I so appreciate Rod Richards' poem for that. To recognize the struggle, but to also say, how do I, how am I? I need just to be held. 
I don't need to be talked out of it or to minimize my struggle. Sometimes I just need to be held until I can figure out how to be in there again. And this institution, you know, is going through its own challenges. This particular congregation, you know, where some of it is like, how do we measure health and function and safety and vulnerability now? Because part of what had been a measure was the number of people present, like right in front of us, the number of people here. But that isn't what it has been. So we're trying to figure out what belonging in home means in our own way. The existential wackiness of this moment faces, addresses the question of, we're not sure what it means to be a congregation when we don't see everybody. And we're not seeing everybody. And some people drop in in, in unsystematic ways. And people are also gravitating to individual practices. And still this body is here and is meeting a need. How shall we do this together? We're figuring out our home and belonging questions as an institution. But people, people so still need this moment and this place. Where is home? Where do you belong? Vamba Sheriff tried many places to fit in with many cultures in his quest for belonging. In his desire for home, he spoke Arabic, he learned Dutch. But his answer is this. Being part of a group of people, a culture, or living in a physical space is not what creates a sense of home. Belonging for me is a choice, a choice of you and me. He says, my sense of belonging is not complete without a feeling, a conviction that you belong to me. And then when you look around, can you say truly that you have contributed to others feeling a sense of belonging? There's where it's missional. Can you say you have contributed to others feeling a sense of belonging? Where is home? Where do you belong? As Dorothy says, when I think of home, I think of a place filled with love and affection. There is love and affection. There is room to leave and learn and return. There is a respite from social expectations and demands. And there is a place where I offer the same to the people I encounter in the home. And we do this in religious community on a larger scale. From the Meeting of Membership Commission on Appraisal, UUA report, we find our wholeness in relationship and community with others, people both alike and unlike ourselves. Individually, we are changed, transformed by our relationship with others. And at the same time, the community as a whole 
is changed by the presence and participation of each individual. Both individually and collectively, we are in a constant state of change and transformation. And this congregation chose to open itself up to some transformation by being in Pride Fest this summer. And that logo of Welcome Home, and simply saying that again and again and again. In that practice of welcoming, belonging, creative community, we are homeward bound in the way that we are connected to each other. And as we go forth and create that place of belonging for others, we are bounded out into the world. All of us need all of us to make it, as my colleague Ninan Soto says. All of us need all of us to create sacred and holy space within each of us, within this larger circle. When we gather, when we are upheld and created in every moment. So let us go forth. Let us go forth in this welcome. Let us go forth in this continual answer to the question of home and belonging and discover that answer yet again and provide a place where that answer can be found in the future. Amen. So I want to invite you to rise and body our spirit for our hymn number 407. We're going to sit at the welcome table. So the song is spirited and fun, but I also want to offer that this is a song of protest and declaration of life in the face of forces that would limit. This comes from our African-American tradition of people who have endured and said, we are still here, we are still at the table. Amen. So let us sing.
from one of our Unitarian forebears, Theodore Parker. Be ours of religion, which like sunshine goes everywhere. It's temple, all space, it's shrine, the good heart, it's creed, all truth, and it's ritual, works of love, it's profession of faith, divine living. You, you are in the story of the world. You are the world coming to know itself. May you trust that all you will ever say or do belongs in the story of the world. Our worship is ended. Let our service begin. <laughs>